0: What's up, everybody? We are live with the awesome A Waiver Wire Show. I am your host, Matt Gajewski. I am here with my partner in crime, Kyle Dvorak. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt underscore Gajewski. You can follow him at Kyle Tweets here. Our title sponsor today is Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports, the most trusted name in fantasy before we get started, make sure to hit that thumbs up button, subscribe to the channel, and hit that notification bell. That is the best way to support Kyle, myself, the entire Awesome crew, and let's see how many likes we can rack up today. As usual, if you have questions about the waiver wire, that is our main topic. Throw those into the chat so Kyle and I can dive in. But Kyle, what is going on, my man? How did you enjoy week one? It was so nice to just have a whole day of NFL football to soak in. It was amazing. What did you think?
1: Yeah, I'm not sure if, like, the football was great or I just don't care. Like, you could have showed me a bunch of, like, Wee kids running out in Washington and Philly uniforms. I would have been like, this is the best football I've seen ever because I was just so ready to get it. Like, uh, this year more than any year, I was so ready to get into it. I do think there were a lot of great games, a lot of good offense, and maybe uh, maybe not some some so good games. So, yeah. Yeah, it's funny. This is a trend we
0: saw a while back with the near lockout we had, I believe is. 2011 the year that yeah. happened and that was the year we just had this crazy offensive explosion so i've heard some people talking about where are we going to see that again because we had limited practice time no preseason and some of the games did shoot out that green bay minnesota game one i particularly did not expect went crazy but we had some big news across the industry a lot of injuries to talk about was there any one thing that really stood out to you as far as big news
1: kind of stuff goes Yeah, for me, the biggest news, because right now I don't think we have an update on what's going on with Le'Veon Bell. He just left the game. It was an injury early, and then he re-injured it, I believe. So the biggest news for me is Marlon Mack being done for the year. I believe his is Achilles, if I remember correctly, done for the year. At least maybe they'll undergo further testing, but I can't remember a time that I've ever seen them undergo further testing in it turn out that they didn't have the season-ending injury. So, John, I mean, Jonathan Taylor probably going to get to the bulk of the work, but maybe the biggest surprise was Neam Hines' double scores and gets both a lot. I think he led the team in receptions and then gets a decent amount of, of carries compared to Jonathan Taylor. I would have predicted that Jonathan Taylor – consumes all of the carries. And maybe that's because Neam Hines was just on the field more they were losing to the Jaguars and ultimately did lose that game. Kind of what we saw with the Browns as well, where I still predict Nick Chubb to lead the team in carries. It just happened to be that negative game script means these like, you know, second and 10, you know, rushes up the middle, you know, spread out the defense, run four wide, then rush up the middle with Cream Hunt. He's on the field for those plays. So maybe if Indy ends up winning some games, that's where we see Jonathan Taylor really rack up, you know, 20, 25 carries to Hines like three or four. I was surprised that split. I thought both of them looked well. Taylor had one long catch. Didn't do a ton on the ground. Hines just did did it all with two scores. So I think that is the biggest one right now. But Le'Veon Bell could, could end up coming up later in the week as potentially a bigger issue going forward. Oh, baby,
0: you're getting me excited. That means I can start Frank Gore again. Everything I always wanted in fantasy. This guy just won't go away. It's been the same thing for like six, seven years now. Frank Gore is just a guy we routinely have to talk about in our waiver wire shows. Another big injury was Blake Jarwin. It looks like he has a torn ACL Dalton Schultz stepped in for him. But other than that, we didn't see a ton of injuries. A lot of what we saw was just role changes. There were some rookies that had really nice days and we'll get into the position by position breakdown in a second. But one guy that really stood out to me was Paris Campbell. Was there any other playing time stuff, big new stuff, as far as, you know, playing time snaps routes
1: go that you saw? Yeah, for me, it's – maybe it shouldn't be – like like you said with Frank Gore, it's actually like the exact same thing, where Adrian Peterson just won't quit, man. His role on this Lions team is – he's the guy between tackles. So, for me, that was a bit surprising. We did see some DeAndre Swift in the red zone, especially towards the end of the game, but that was maybe just surprising given how short of time he came in after, you know – basically as final rosters went down so maybe it was just surprising that it happened so quickly whereas at least Frank Gore got the got the offseason work and supposedly had a good camp Adrian Peterson gets no camp and still just comes and continues to put in work another one that maybe again we shouldn't be so surprised like don't don't be so convinced that you're right heading into the season Malcolm Brown, Getting the bulk of the of the red zone work, getting the lead in terms of carries, and even having at least one nice long reception. I think he had a few, uh, like total three receptions. Malcolm Brown pushing Acres to the side. Daryl Henderson, despite maybe having a three way committee in their backfield, really seems to have been cut out of the system into just a two back system between Malcolm Brown and Cam Akers with Brown having the lead so those are probably maybe especially with the fact that the Rams could be a good offense again Malcolm Brown probably one of the premium waiver wire pickups and a guy I'm surprised how much work he got
0: yeah so you already mentioned the waiver wire let's get into this and we're going to do a position by position breakdown and then we'll kind of do some ranks at the end and give you some look ahead stuff so we will start with QBs There's a number of guys that surprise. And, you know, quarterback is always going to be a deep position in fantasy football. It's a position you can stream effectively on a week-to-week basis. One guy that really stood out to me was Cam Newton making his debut with the New England Patriots. I think the Patriots really used him to his strengths. They did not play with a lot of negative game script here. So you only see Cam Newton completing 15 passes for 155 yards. But while they're playing from ahead, Working to his strengths, they rush him 15 times for 75 yards. He gets a pair of scores. I don't think that is something you can lock in every single week. But I was still really impressed with how the Patriots used Cam Newton. What did you think of his performance? And were there any other quarterbacks that you particularly saw that maybe outperformed expectation?
1: Yeah, so I, I agree. Cam Newton's performance. I think it's a testament to not only Cam, still the dude just still has it. He looks so, like, uh, so good, so athletic. And yeah, he didn't have to pass. So it's not surprising that he didn't put up crazy yardage. They, they beat Miami South. So not I'm not surprised. I thought he still had it. But it's just nice to know that he does indeed have it. And, and that Belichick is going to use him like optimal Cam Newton usage should be. One of the performance that actually piqued my interest was Mitchell Trubisky. Mitch, like, I'm not excited for Mitch long-term, but he led an impressive, I think all three of their touchdowns came in the fourth quarter. He also rushed three three times for 26 yards. That was double his weekly average from last season. That was really where where you knew the wheels came off. He was never, even in his, like, peak season, was never this incredible passer, but he had some serious rushing upside. Like, he has, like, low-key running back level athleticism, and he did not leverage that in any way last year. Three carries, 26 yards in a game that they were mostly dedicated to passing because they were losing up until the very end. So for me, Mitch is at least considering, you know, a considerable streaming option. One more guy that I have a lot of best ball shares of is Gardner Minshew. The Jaguars go in and stun the Colts, and Minshew looked pretty good while doing it. I mean, looked incredible, 19-20, of only 173 yards, so he wasn't, like, going crazy, but also scores three times, adds a little bit with his legs, carries five times for 19 yards. He's a guy that I think maybe if Cam Newton's still available, it's hundred percent Cam Newton. I would say he's probably the number one waiver wire ad, especially if you had a guy, maybe you like waited too long and got a Kirk cousins. You thought Phillip Rivers was going to be old Phillip Rivers. I think Gardner Minshew should be replacing all of these guys right now.
0: Yeah. I think Cam Newton is, if he's available, he's probably not in many leagues. He's got to be your number one ad going up against Seattle next week. We saw them just allow 434 yards to Matt Ryan. That's, pass rush in particular just can't generate any pressure so I know their secondary is good but their QBs opposing QBs that is just have all day to throw on Minshew he'll be taking on the Titans a little bit of a tougher task for him but the Titans are banged up in the secondary Adore Jackson is not going to play tonight we'll see how they do they have yet to play their week one game and as far as Trubisky goes Man I'm still a little worried about this guy he completed 56% of his passes but I do agree with you getting him going on the ground is fantastic for his fantasy value one other guy I want to ask you about before we transition position positions what do we make of the rookie Joe Burrow mostly struggles throughout the day but he leads that near comeback drive ended in a missed field goal attempt but he went down the field in like one minute showed off his
1: legs too what do you make of Joe Burrow going forward? Yeah, you know, definitely. Like you said, there were struggles. It wasn't this awesome game, but he had that one run up the Like it wasn't, it wasn't beautiful, but I don't think you can expect him in a bad offseason for rookies to come in and kill it right away against chargers defense, even without Derwin James still has a lot of talent, have both on the line. It's not an easy matchup as your first matchup as a rookie in a bad offseason for rookies still looks good. And he has that run of the middle. They spread him out and then he just runs it straight up the middle. And it wasn't just like a good play design for that, that time. He looked good. Like the dude was moving. He gets a block out in front of him. He was shifty, finds the end zone. And that was something I think we talked about it going into the year that his athleticism kind of goes underscored by how obvious his passing prowess is. He's a guy who could really be, like, I would say at a minimum at this point, like an Andrew Luck, you know, Aaron Rodgers peak level rusher, where he can break your back with his legs on top of the fact that he's a great passer. He threatens defenses in so many ways. I would still put, uh, you know, Cam Newton obviously ahead of him. I think he's probably on that Gardner Minshew level. Maybe I'd put Minshew a little ahead of him right now, but he's on that tier of guys you consider streaming, especially if the matchup looks good next week. I believe he faces the Browns. Oh my God. The Browns are, Oh man. I had to, I watched that whole game. And I don't know why I did. It was a train wreck, but at least uh kids for, for Joe Burrow, he will get a, just a beat up poor, poor Browns beat up secondary losing. I think Grant Delpit in the offseason. Greedy Williams wasn't able to play in a handful of other guys. So a good matchup next week on paper. I'd be interested in streaming him if your options ahead of him don't look good. For sure. They were missing three
0: of their top four corners. That is Cleveland we're talking about. We're getting a couple questions rolling through the chat. If you guys have start, or excuse me, if you have waiver wire, we're not in the start sit show. If you have waiver wire questions, throw those in there. Someone asks, He's looking at Naheem Hines. Should he drop Tariq Cohen, Marvin Jones Jr., or Darius Slayton for Naheem Hines, we obviously haven't seen Slayton play yet. I am optimistic on him, especially with Golden Tate questionable. Marvin Jones was hurt. I would still wait on Marvin Jones. If you want to make an add drop, I would consider Tariq Cohen. I think that is probably a situation where I'd prefer Hines. Do you have a preference between, you know, if you were going to pick up Naheem Hines, would you drop Tariq Cohen, Marvin
1: Jones, or Darius Slayton? Yeah, Hines and Cohen, very similar players in some ways. Cohen, I think, will probably actually have a very similar workload, too. But I like his offense, and I like his quarterback being, like, the perfect quarterback to get the ball to running backs, like something we saw year in, year out with Rivers. So I think they're very similar. I don't love either offense, but one of these quarterbacks is going to feed Hines, and the other one is Mr. Trubisky, who probably converts a decent amount of Tariq Cohen-type targets just into rush attempts. So for me, I'll give the edge to Hines, and I would make that, I believe – he said that he has Cone right now and would be projected to make that swap to Hines. I would make that move. That's a move I would make. Yeah, that's exactly it. Let, let's use this as a transition
0: point. We brought up Naheem Hines. Is there another running back you would target on the waiver wire over
1: Naheem Hines right now? Yes, my number one target has to be James Robinson. On a Jaguars offense, I don't think they're gonna be great. I don't think they go out like like they're, but they're like they're good. Gardner Minshew is accurate. I think he is. A, I would say like a almost a premium Derek way, where we see he's not awfully aggressive going downfield but he just completes a high percentage of his passes he has good weapons in Chark and Chennault Chris Thompson out of the backfield so for me I think this offense is going to be able to put up numbers in spots where you expect them I don't expect them to go and light the world on fire like they did in week one but I think they'll be a competent offense which based on their I believe is a four and a half win total heading into the year I don't even think they were projected to have a competent offense. They were expected to be a train wreck. I think that is underselling Gardner Minshew and this offense. So for me, I'm looking at a guy like James Robinson who I believe was the only running back in week one to see 100% of the running back carries in his backfield. He gets a catch converts it for a handful of yards as well. He's a guy who is going to be Unsurprisingly, getting all of the carries, all of them outside of obviously Gardner Minshew and a little bit of LaVisca. So for me, if you're getting all of the carries on an offense that can at least put up some touchdowns every now and then, he's the, the absolute guy because the rest of the guys we're looking at are guys like Hines, guys like Jarek McKinnon who have roles, but they're not the number one back. If you can get a number one back off of the waiver wire, even if he's the Jaguars' number one back, I get it, he, he's not Clyde edwards lair. I'm still trying to get James Robinson probably more so than any other back. I agree. We saw him
0: play 68% of snaps. Chris Thompson was down at 24%. That was promising for sure. The one thing I'm worried about is divine. You do not have to worry about this for a few weeks with him being on injured reserve, but I just want to remind everyone injured reserve is three weeks this year, not the usual eight. So he could be back, could play a role. I don't foresee it happening. There's a lot of questions on Naheem Hines coming out of the chat. Someone asked, would you trade Tyler Boyd for Naheem Hines? I would not make that trade. If no. you're shaking your head, you wouldn't either. No. But let's jump ahead to Naheem Hines. He was a little lower down our rankings list, but there's a lot of questions on him. So I want to ask you what you make of him going forward. Do you see this being a 50-50 timeshare between Jonathan
1: Taylor or Naheem Hines? How would you break down the backfield? Yeah, the problem for me with Hines is that I don't see, not any upside, but I just don't see him having, like I can see Zach Moss. If you tell me at the end of the year that Zach Moss has just cleanly beaten out, Devin Singletary is the better back. He's getting the goal line work. He's getting receptions. I would believe that. He was incredible in college at Utah. He was a guy who I thought could come into the league and be sort of like a, he looked kind of like a Jordan Howard as a runner in a good way. Jordan Howard has been a good runner throughout his career. And he had some pass catching chops. He's built like a bowling ball. He punch in touchdowns. I can see him getting a massive role. I could see Malcolm Brown probably holding this type of role. If he keeps doing it well, there's no reason to pull him for acres. And we saw that they're fine with just giving up like, they're not anchored to their draft capital, obviously, with Daryl Henderson being the prime example. So these are all guys that I can see having a bigger role. So I will take, I'll say I'll take James Robinson, Zach Moss, and probably Malcolm Brown, although that one's a little more iffy for me, over Hines. And at that point, I think it's probably Hines. I'd field arguments for a handful of other players, though. I do think
0: Jonathan Taylor is going to play a larger role moving forward. I think he showed a lot yesterday when they, it seemed like they started with Hines, and then Taylor played more in the second half. He started the second half. He had six targets. He caught all six of them. Jonathan Taylor is a competent pass catcher. The Wisconsin offense just did not ask him to do it. So I think by the end of the year, we see Jonathan Taylor move into a three down workload. As far as a guy like Zach Moss, man, did he look good and. Rip all the Devin Singletary owners. That was not a great showing. He's been having fumbling problems in training camp. And we saw Zach Moss actually catch some balls too. Four targets. He reeled in three of them for 16 yards. Wasn't the greatest performance on the ground. But I think you're still happy with what Zach Moss showed you. And it looks like he is certainly going to play a red zone role in that offense. You hit on Malcolm Brown already. What about some of the fringier ads? Are you looking at a guy like Jerick McKinnon? And how about Adrian
1: Peterson, the other timeless wonder? What are we doing with these two? Yeah, they're they're only really deeper ads for me, especially you know with guys that I think are one dimensional like McKinnon. I think is probably just a pass catcher because Raheem Mostert, dude, he looks so fast. He is like he. I don't know if he's the real deal or not because we see so many times guys come in for six weeks, blow up, and then do nothing. But he looks like the real deal when you watch him play. He looks athletic. So for me. I can't really, obviously, they still have Tevin Coleman. So I can't see McKinnon having this robust role. Peterson kind of the opposite. I can't really envision him catching a ton of passes. And we saw Swift get some, you know, red zone work. So he's sort of one-dimensional in that way. I, Frank Gore might have a whole backfield to himself. Maybe he's the actual guy. Although, God, offense looked terrible. They were so, like, Sam, I just think Sam Darnold doesn't have it. I And maybe it's easy for me to say because I kind of thought that since he came into the league, he was this guy who I just didn't think was an nfl caliber thrower i'm not trying to anchor even a ton of touches onto an offense led by sam darwin adam gates i don't think it's a good play call like i don't think he's a good head coach either so for me yeah i would consider some of these guys in deeper leagues but i would say the line i draw is probably at adrian peterson and i'm still leaving mckinnon gore bernard and clement all off the list for guys i'm really considering adding unless i just have like straight up like blake jarwin gets injured he has literally no value then maybe i add Corey Clement over him. Otherwise, those are guys I think I'm leaving on the wire. I need mean, these guys interest you. I, I'm a I to excited after like Peterson.
0: I'm not even really that excited with Peterson. I think part of the reason he saw such an extended workload was because DeAndre Swift came into the week hurt. And then we saw DeAndre Swift actually play a significant role. I, I feel so bad for the guy dropping that touchdown at the end of the game. But I I still am not really that interested in Adrian Peterson. He's going to be just more of a band-aid on a larger problem. I would definitely try to get Robinson, Zach Moss, Joshua Kelly, you know, Malcolm Brown. Those would be my top four ads over a guy like Frank Gore. Are you interested at all in Corey Clement after that poor performance for Boston Scott? A couple of people are talking in the chat about Boston Scott burning them in DFS. Believe me, guys, I was right there with you. Are you interested in Corey Clement?
1: I don't think so, but so Boston Scott actually at one point was injured. I'm not sure if he came back or not. They never officially ruled him out after he got injured, and I didn't see him. I, I literally looked through every like every play drive through the end of like the second half. I didn't see him come back on.
0: And one guy we actually forgot to mention on the running back position, and then we will move on here. Peyton Barber, quietly, pretty large workload
1: in Washington. Are you interested? Yeah. I'm not, not interested. He kind of falls in that Frank Gore area where I guess if I have guys that are just dead roster space, like a Blake Jarwin and you know, I'm in a deeper league. Yes. I'd probably move for him. I just don't see Peyton Barber doing much more than punching and goal line work for, you know, if, if Washington continues to be a good offense, if they look like they can put up points, sure. Then that's a viable role, but I don't think Washington is going to be this massive touchdown producing team. And then, just the between the tackles grinder and punching and touchdown work is not actually a good role to have when your team doesn't get to the red zone, doesn't get to the five yard line very often. So he's on the deeper end of the radar. Cause yeah, he he does have a role and it's even, we saw, I believe he led Tampa Bay last year in red zone looks as well. Red zone rushes at least. So this is kind of, he's been pegged. He has this archetype and it can be a viable one. I would say if you actually believe in Dwayne Haskins, which he's, he's he could be the real deal. Sure, maybe you pick up Peyton Barber, but he is probably the bottom of the list of everyone we've talked about, I think.
0: Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. Guys, before we move on to wide receiver, really exciting position, I want to talk to you about Yahoo, our title sponsor today. So Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports is the sponsor they are the most trusted name in fantasy sports yahoo dfs now includes csv upload csv edit features for those looking to play multiple lineups it helps you make better choices so choose yahoo daily fantasy been playing a lot over there this year having a ton of fun definitely check it out as far as the wide receiver position we kind of spoke on paris campbell a little bit already he is the number one waiver wire claim for me i think among all positions is there a guy you prefer over Paris Campbell? Otherwise,
1: yeah, so I am looking, I think Paris Campbell is probably the guy. I think when you're looking at this, I think when you're looking at this, Paris Campbell is definitely the one you want to be targeting. I think there are a handful of other players that maybe you want to look for. LaVisca Chenault is a guy who you can at least, Lavisca Chennault's a guy who you can at least go after. We saw him get carried, so that's interesting. I want to talk a little bit more about Lavisca Chennault. You're you're lagging on my screen right now. I have no clue if you can see me and if I'm just spitting Lavisca Chennault love into the ether, but I do think Lavisca Chennault coming out of college was incredibly productive at a young age. It was a smaller school. I believe it was Colorado State, but he got work as, he got work like, I have no clue if you can hear me. I
0: can hear Matt, you. Can you. I can hear oh, you. Yeah, cool. you're, you're lagging a little bit in the video, but I hear you just fine.
1: Okay, cool. LaVisca Chenault, he got like a decent amount of carries. He reminded me of Tyler Boyd coming out of college where he played in an offense that didn't have like a ton of weapons necessarily. He was a guy who they were competing against competition that might have had more recruiting power at their, you know, at their arsenal. So he got work at, on special teams. He got work out of the backfield. He got work outside in the slot. And we kind of saw that in week one, he got work. He got two carries 10 yards and it's sort of maybe just little small edges. You're just getting small edges, but you get that when you look up at a guy like Robert Woods as well. So for me, he's like a premium prospect coming out of college, finds himself in a position where I like his offense and I like the role he can play for Gardner Minshew as basically a guy Minshew can safely just dump it off to. And then he makes plays happen with his legs, sort of built uh, built thick, like a running back. I just, I'm so excited about the Lavisca Chanel profile that maybe I'm boosting him ahead of a guy like Paris Campbell, who I wasn't quite as excited on coming out of college. I do think though that Paris Campbell also, that you know, shorter A dot playmaker, would make sense for Philip Rivers. So for me, I have those two in a tier ahead on the waiver wire ads. If I need receiver help, beyond that, we have a handful of other guys that are still viable. You still probably want them on your roster. But for me, those are the two guys. And then there's a massive gap between them and the number three. Who would you have at number three? Am I crazy for being so excited about Laviska Chenault?
0: Man, you don't have to tell me. I love Laviska Chenault. Play a lot of college football DFS, and he was a stud. But he's actually a little bit lower down my list than I think you are. I like Jalen Rieger quite a bit. He actually led Philadelphia's wide receivers in snaps already. He's a guy that hadn't really practiced the last couple weeks of training camp. Steps in for 59% of snaps. For reference, Deshaun Jackson only played 56, so I think that's really promising for him. As he gets healthy, I just think he's going to see more of the snap share going forward. So I think Rager is my number two.
1: Where do you have him? Is he number three for you? He's number three, and, yeah, I think maybe that's, uh yeah, the fact that he got... The snaps like over Jackson. The fact that they they could have run and they did run a lot of two tight end set, but that didn't really cut in a ton to Rager's work. We saw Goddard had one of the better tight end weeks, goes over 100 and scores. And Maybe that's why I'm a little concerned. I think they just have they have sneaky receiver depth in that they have a number one receiver in Zach Ertz and a number two and probably a number two receiver. In Dallas Goddard so I think maybe he gets pushed a little farther down the target totem pole whereas I could see LaVisca being the number two but maybe maybe I should include him in the tier at least not say there's a gap because one I did like him coming out of college too I thought he could be an instant playmaker and the fact that this uh, like how much camp he missed doesn't really seem to be affecting him is a really positive sign for his growth going forward right they spent a first round pick on
0: this guy they want to get him involved it might just take a little bit of time like you mentioned missing as much time as he did and to your point Philadelphia uses a ton of 12 personnel. Just in week one, we saw Dallas Goddard, 79% of snaps, nine targets. Zach Ertz, 85% of snaps, seven targets. So I think the claim that Jalen Rieger at this point is the wide receiver three among all pass catchers is still probably true. As we get a little bit lower down the list, I think we start to get towards some flex plays. One guy that really popped off for a big game, most of it coming in garbage time, was Russell Gage for the Atlanta Falcons. Are you at all interested in a guy like this, more of just an attachment to Matt Ryan behind Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones? Maybe another guy that fits this bill is Brian Edwards, who you can get on the waiver
1: wire across fantasy leagues. Interest in either of them? I'd say probably not, especially I liked Brian Edwards coming out of college, a great breakout age, great dominator, played on a a middle-wing South Carolina offense, so he didn't post, like, eye-popping numbers. But, you know, the advanced metrics were all there for him. So I liked him there. But I'm not awfully excited about this offense going forward. I think they they got a great they got a great matchup and put up points against, you know, against a terrible Carolina defense. But I don't think that's the projection going forward. And he clearly isn't – I don't think – I think Ruggs is the guy. And I think Waller will still get his as well. So for me, he is more of – not an afterthought, but, a, you know, a 2-3 in this offense, whereas there are a handful of guys that like maybe got number one work or close to it. A guy like Robbie Anderson, I believe, led his team – in, like, all receiving categories, essentially. I'm super interested. Marquez Valdez-Scantling was clearly the number two. I want to throw a name out to you. Quintez Cephas, he was a guy who basically was going to be left for dead on this roster. I think the the Detroit Detroit Lions have two of the better outside receivers in Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones. Obviously, Kenny Galladay does not end up being available to the team. Quintez Cephas comes out and gets, I think, 10 targets. He didn't convert super well in them, but he wasn't, uh, like, a non-factor coming out of, I believe he came out of your school, Wisconsin, so... Uh, yeah, I don't know. Do you, do you have any insight on Cephas? Cause he did, he saw, I believe he saw 10 targets, which is insane for, uh, I want to say he's a UDFA or if not, he was close to it. That's insane for a guy in his first game. Any interest in him? Yeah. Cephas was a day three pick coming out of my alma mater,
0: Wisconsin. He, I think is a good prospect. He misses a whole year of college for off the field issues, comes in and saw a way larger workload than I was anticipating. I'm a little worried with Kenny Galladay coming back. So he's definitely down the list of guys to pick up at the wide receiver position, but you just don't see that kind of volume. And he does project as more of a big slot receiver with Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay running on the outside. Quintus Ives, a lot different prospect than a guy like Danny Amendola. So it was really interesting to see him play so much. Uh, One last name I'll throw out to you. Packers, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. The guy drops two of the easiest passes I've ever seen, but he's so wide open during those throws, and then he redeems himself a little bit with a touchdown. Any interest for Marquez Valdez-Scantling?
1: Yeah, so I was sort of on on the side of, that. I'm not too interested in the Packers. It seems like they're moving towards I don't know, just a boring A.J. Dillon-Aaron Jones split. They've already seemed to not care too much about Aaron Rodgers. You know, supposedly drafting Jordan Love was like a, I don't want to say spiteful, but was a move to get Aaron Rodgers in line with the program. And then Aaron Rodgers comes out on the FU World Tour, goes 32 of 44, 364, and four touchdowns. The only concern is that Devontae Adams is not a target hog. He is a black hole of targets. That is, I mean, he goes 14 for 156, two scores, and it, he is maybe. I think at this point, it's fair to say he might be the wide receiver one. I think there was a good argument that really all he needed was for the Packers offense to come close to as good as the Saints offense. If if we can expect anything, and they got an easy easy matchup against a Viking secondary that has just been plundered in recent years. But I don't care. 14 catches or 14 catches, man. So. Valdez Scantling is going to be pushed down the target totem pole by Devontae Adams, Devontae Adams, and Devontae Adams again. But if we can expect this sort of this Aaron Rodgers absolute gun show going on, yeah, I will almost just try. It could be like, I don't want to say peak Aaron Rodgers, but he looked great. He looked incredible. It was one of his better games. So if we can buy cheap pieces by picking up a Marquez Valdez Scantling off the waiver, I actually think he's a guy you have to at least consider stashing. And I'm actually big on stacking in season long. So if I had Aaron Rodgers, I would totally be picking up just to try and Absolutely bury my opponents on the weeks like this one where Aaron Rodgers goes off.
0: For sure. I'm at least a little interested in Marquez Valdez Scantling. A couple of questions from the chat. Of course, if you guys ever need answers to these questions while we are off the stream, we have a ton of tools over at osmo.com. We have a great promo going on right now. It is promo code redzone. Sign up today for Osmo Plus NFL Weekly pla- Pass for 50% off. When you use promo code REDZONE at checkout, that's $7.50 for one week of Osmo Plus NFL. This gives you access to all of Awesomo's leading player projections, ownership projections, top stacks, and more for NFL DFS. This limited-time offer is valid through September 15th, so head over to Osmo Plus, join page at awesomo.com, or to our Osmo underscore com on Twitter, and click the link in the pinned tweet to activate It's a great resource, guys. There's a ton of stuff on that page. A great resource if we are not live on stream and you need any questions answered. Love the player projections, ownership projections, something I use every single week. But kind of transitioning here to the tight end position, it is a very volatile position on a week-to-week basis. Similar to quarterback, it's a position we're often looking at streamers when we have guys in bad matchups. One thing I want to highlight immediately, and it's not so much a tight end you want to pick up, I saw a lot of analysis on Twitter and across the industry over the last week. Play George Kittle, play George Kittle, play George Kittle. They're going against the Arizona Cardinals. They allow the most points to tight ends in the NFL. Of course, they draft Isaiah Simmons and make a couple other additions to that defense. George Kittle doesn't have the best day. So tight end is shifting this year. Is there anyone you're looking at on
1: waivers to potentially pick up ahead of week two? Yeah. So we have two guys at the top, TJ Hawkinson and Dallas Goddard. For me, Dallas Goddard is probably clearly the guy because despite being, you know, the tight end two in name, he's basically just a wide receiver on this team. Like you said, he played a ton of snaps. He goes over a hundred and he scores a touchdown. I can see, I think this team is just a, a clearly a base two tight end and especially with their running back. So nicked up, it doesn't really serve them to be running the football very much. So for me, Dallas Goddard sure he's the second tight end in his team, but I think he's, just a wide receiver at heart. He's athletic. He's big. He can make, he can, you know, he beats linebackers and safeties with his speed, but then corners aren't big enough to cover him. He's just, to me, I, if I were a defensive coordinator, I would hate playing against a guy like Dallas Goddard. One other guy that I'm more interested in, in terms of, I guess, versus the public, Logan Thomas supposedly had a great training camp, clearly separated himself. And on top of that, he's incredibly athletic, came out of Virginia Tech as a quarterback. I thought he was, I I liked him as a quarterback. I thought he was good. And I think he has like one career completion that was uh, Andre Ellington catch and run that Andre Ellington goes yard with. Ends up converting to tight end and takes a while to break out because he's learning a new position. And it is maybe, I would say one of the, probably one of the most physically demanding positions. You basically have to learn how to run routes like a receiver. And then sometimes you have to pick up a a block against like Aaron Donald or something when he plays on the outside. So it's not surprising that he really doesn't break out till later in his career. Now it seems to be all happening. I think he had over like a 25% target share played third most snaps out of the skill position players on Washington. He seems like he's going to be an every down tight end, or at least all of the receiving downs. And that's really all we care about. He's super athletic. So Logan Thomas, I'd probably put third on my list of guys I'm trying to pick up. And he's available, and I would imagine, almost every league that isn't like 20 rounds deep.
0: Oh, man. So imagine this. It's a DFS story, but I'm going to tell it anyway. You sent a whole bunch of head-to-heads. It's week one, so they're, they're selling like crazy. I go in to check my head-to-heads, and some guy is just absolutely slaughtering me, and I go to see his lineup, and he plays Logan Thomas against me in a head-to-head in week one. I don't know if that's incredible foresight or just dumb luck, but props to that guy. I agree with you. Logan Thomas, he's a very nice pickup at the tight end position. A couple other names I'll throw out there in case, you know, you're very, very weak at tight end or something like that. I'm probably not looking to a lot of these guys unless it's complete desperation, Greg Olson, Seattle, OJ Howard for Tampa Bay. We saw Tampa Bay run a lot of 12 personnel. We also saw the Cleveland Browns in a lot of 12 personnel too. David Njoku went down with an injury. We're not sure the significance of that yet. But even when Njoku was down, Harrison Bryant played 42% of snaps, ran 15 rounds. Austin Hooper, of course, is the main tight end there. But just a few names. Anyone you'd potentially take a look at if you were desperate at tight end
1: yeah you name one of them we'll have to wait to see on this injury stuff but Njoku was like he was a yak fiend at Miami they draft him the first round he does well in his first year and then it kind of the wheels come off and as is the story with many Browns players things don't work out because they have a terrible offense terrible coaching and I don't think that's necessarily his fault like like we see this happen all the time where like guys are in bad situations that are almost completely out of their control and I believe last year he lost most of his season to like a wrist fracture but he, I think he's always been a talented player, and we could see him sort of be the Dallas Goddard in this offense. And I, obviously, I think Austin Hooper is a lesser, you know, receiving tight end than Zachary, so it could be much more of a split than we saw than we could expect to see with the uh, with the Eagles. It, it is of note that he one he did uh, had one long play that was very nice, looked like that sweet athletic. You know, David Njoku, Chief Njoku, I I was always hoping to see. He does score his touchdown on essentially like a busted coverage play like they were in. I think it was like a three tight end set at the one yard line of the defense, like, like sold out for the run. And he has this injury right now. I believe it's like a leg injury. Watch that. But he's a guy that if I'm playing in like tight end premium leagues would be like, Logan Thomas is probably rostered in your tight end premium league. I rostered Logan Thomas in a tight end premium league. And I got those freaking points, baby. I'm looking to pick up David Njoku if he's still available.
0: Yeah, I like it. I hope the injury is not severe to him. Listen, guys, we have nearly 100 of you watching in the chat. Throw your questions our way. If you have a waiver wire question, throw it in there. And let's get those likes up. That is the best way to support myself, support Kyle, and the entire Awesome crew. We appreciate all of you very much watching, so thank you here. I don't really think there's any other French tight ends I'm looking at. It was a surprisingly healthy week, I think, we can turn our attention to defense a little bit. This is another streaming position in a weekly environment. You know, these onesie positions, QBs, defense, tight end. We're we're very much looking to stream on a week-to-week basis. There's a defense I'm interested in that hasn't played yet. So we're, we're recording this Monday morning, of course. The Tennessee Titans have a matchup against the Jacksonville Jaguars. This is one I highlighted. Should I still consider this? I mean, Jacksonville looked pretty good. Gardner Minshew might be the truth. Is it a little too early to keep attacking the Jaguars' offense, or do you think Tennessee is a viable defensive streamer
1: next week? Yeah, I think they're a viable streamer, but I mean, I, you, you heard me talk, gushing about Gardner. I think he is the truth in the sense that he can be an average to maybe even above-average NFL starter. And I think you can probably pick up defenses that are playing against below-average NFL starters this week. What I want to throw out after the Vikings got slaughtered, they put up negative. I saw like negative seven, negative ten, depending on your format, negative five they lost you points getting destroyed by by rogers playing the colts this week philip rivers looked absolutely dust it's just like wasn't connecting on his deep balls it was really just like getting success out of his running backs dumping off to them uh you know jack doyle had an okay game paris campbell a guy who fits what he can still do well but i think the more time you get on a one-dimensional quarterback like philip rivers like the more film you get on him, it's going to be easier and easier throughout the year for defenses to basically just take away the one thing, like press up on them. He's not hitting T.Y. Hilton deep. So for me, I would think maybe if the Vikings get cut, they can probably still generate a pass rush. Phillip Rivers doesn't have much wiggle left in him. So I would be interested in them as maybe a deeper play outside of that. I I do think the Titans are still a viable option.
0: I like the Titans. They're presumably going to be a little bit healthier. They should bring back, Adore Jackson next week, he's not going to sit this week. So hopefully he'll play another team I would look to is green Bay. Now they gave up a lot of production to Minnesota late. Most of that came in the fourth quarter. I'm not sure if they were just playing prevent defense and trying to not let the wheels fall off or what happened, but they really gave up a lot of production in the fourth. They're going against Detroit next week. Is this a potential place to exploit a green Bay defense who quietly has a really nice pass rush? And I think they can get after a Detroit offensive line that lost two
1: starters on their right side last year. Yeah, that's definitely a spot that I I would probably take them over. Uh, I'm saying I would take, you know, Gardner Mitchell over Stafford. Maybe that's what I'm saying. But especially without (laughs) – if if Kenny Galladay can't suit up, I don't think this is an offense that you really want to be tying yourself to. You'd rather be attacking them with a defense. See, I think they're viable. One more I'd like to throw out is the Chiefs first chargers i just don't think the chargers are going to have a good offense this year they just looked like they couldn't really get much done i like their running backs but that's that's fine that gives you a solid floor in your weekly matchup when you know your opponent like when you know your defense's opponent they really just want to slow the pace down and run the ball Cincinnati defense isn't, very, isn't a defense I'm afraid of, and the Chargers still couldn't really put up big numbers on them. So I think the Chiefs' defense has a good enough pass rush that can take, you know, Tyrod Taylor. One thing that most rushing quarterbacks do, and he does more than most of them, is he takes sacks. He just runs into some sacks sometimes. He's the guy that I would try to be, like, targeting basically, and especially if the Chiefs are absolutely going to obliterate them. He's dropping back, you know, 40 times a game. He's probably taking like five five or six sacks. So Chiefs defense getting the Tyrod Taylor and the Chargers, I think they'll kill them, and, and Tyrod Taylor will take a few sacks. So that's probably one place I'd look to go as well.
0: Yeah, one player we actually forgot to mention in the running back section was Joshua Kelly. I think people were a little surprised to see Austin Eckler coming off the field as often as he was. And, of course, you know, something we maybe should have mentioned when we talked about the Colts, Phillip Rivers, he really attacked running backs in the past game. We saw that dry up a little bit for Eckler yesterday. I think we can just, you know, Phillip Rivers is a a one-of-a-kind. He targets running backs at the highest rate in the NFL. With Joshua Kelly now seemingly taking over more of a between-the-tackles role, are you interested
1: in him? Yeah, he's a guy that I would probably put on, I don't know, if we're like tiering them, he's tier two. He's below James Robinson, Zach Moss, because if anyone's going, like I don't know if they'll be throwing a ton to their running backs, but it certainly won't be Josh Kelly. Kelly, though, did look good as a runner. He got he got the goal line work. He maybe punched in a late touchdown that uh, may, may have ended up sealing the game or coming close to it. So that's good. You want goal line work. And you don't mind that Tyrod Taylor is a runner because I didn't like... Eckler's always going to be a pass catching back. Tyrod Taylor being a runner will help open up lanes for Kelly as Tyrod's legs frees up linebackers. And now I believe Justin Jackson ended up being ruled out with, maybe it was like a lower body injury, but this is going to continue to allow Kelly to further separate himself as the number two back. We saw last year, as soon as Austin Eckler or as soon as Melvin Gordon came back, they immediately pigeonholed Austin Eckler into this role. That's a bit frustrating. I think it is going to be like a 60, 40 split between these two. Maybe you only pick up one or two targets a game, but that's okay. You know, you're not picking these guys up to be an RB one. You're picking them up because he has some flex value and Kelly definitely has that. I would say probably not as much, as robinson or moss probably for me not as much as malcolm brown either because i'm kind of getting pretty high on this rams offense again so i'd probably put him at four you could take Hines over him or you could take him over Hines. he's right neck range for me
0: for sure i i agree with you i think he's probably a mid-range rb pickup he's definitely not over your james robinson's of the world yeah But, you know, as we're talking about a lot of matchups moving forward, let's take a look at some sneaky look ahead spots. So this is going to be more offensive centric. Just if you have some of these players who are facing these teams, maybe you want to fire them up. Maybe if there's a guy on your waiver wire, you can look at them as a streaming option. And we hit on one already. It is the Cleveland Browns. This is going to be a little bit dependent on some injury situations with the Cleveland Browns. They were missing three of their top four corners yesterday, and we saw Lamar Jackson just absolutely decimate them. He threw for 270 yards, and it was basically all in two-and-a-half quarters of action. The guy was, you know, they were just leaning on the run, and they were playing Gus Edwards, J.K. Dobbins, Mark Ingram for the, essentially the entire second half of the game. Can Cincinnati take advantage of this matchup?
1: Yeah, I think they can. I think I think maybe the Browns put up a little bit more of a fight. I'm concerned with them, but I don't think the Cincinnati defense is the same as the Ravens defense. And hopefully Baker Mayfield can get on track. And in that case, maybe you actually get like a, not a shootout, but you can maybe hit the over. And I would be targeting Joe Burrow as a pickup specifically in this matchup. Maybe if, like you said, you are a little more bullish on the Titans defense versus Gardner, Gardner Minshew, that's your, that's your split. As you say, I want to take borough versus cleveland as opposed to Minshew versus versus tennessee both quarterbacks i like but i could see you saying that one defense is going to put up more pressure be more difficult of a matchup and yeah man this cleveland secondary unfortunately is just getting ravaged by injuries like you said so it should be an easy matchup in the secondary And as much as, as pass rush is is fun and they generate sacks it's not quite as impactful i think that the guys at pro football focus do a good job of writing and talking about this you know corners are really what is going to be the backbone of your defense and Cleveland has none of them at this point. So no corner depth. I think Joe Burrow could take advantage of a matchup. And as always, we like Joe Burrow's weapons a lot.
0: For sure. There's a question in the chat. Nick has both cam Akers and Malcolm Brown. He wants to know what to do with that situation from a waiver wire standpoint. I still don't think you're dropping either of them at this point. We Kyle brought this up a lot. It looks like it's going to be an offense that's going to rebound this year. They were, they were very productive, against a decent Cowboys defense so I think you want to keep them both Akers even if he's just a handcuff or a timeshare back if Malcolm Brown goes down I think he's still probably going to be the one that takes over that role so I don't know you could maybe sell high on Brown he asked that as a subsequent question but I think you're you're probably just going to keep those two and not drop either what do you think
1: yeah, I, I think uh, I, I think most people I, I think most people are going to recognize that you're trying to sell high on Brown and not really give you maybe what he's worth in the short term. Like I don't think people are are that awful. They're going to give you something crazy for Brown. They're probably going to recognize that the split could change. I think you probably just ride Brown out as long as you got him. Maybe like Akers is the sneaky sell if he's going to continue to be a one B back. Maybe you can still get that fifth round capital out of him or extract some value out of him. Try to arbitrage that by just playing Malcolm Brown. I would be interested, depending on your running backs and getting Malcolm Brown in the lineup, and maybe you sell acres if you can basically return your draft value on him. But if people are low on him, then you probably just hold on to him and say, I'm going to take the Rams' lead back. If they eventually switch over, you switch over to with who you're starting.
0: For sure. That makes a lot of sense. As far as another sneaky matchup, a look-ahead spot, I think one guy we talked about earlier today, Russell Gage, finds himself in another one. Going up against the Cowboys, we were just talking about the Rams. That's the very team that was beating up on this Cowboys defense. So I think Russell Gage, if you need a complete flyer, you're starting Julio Jones, you're starting Calvin Ridley. They're no brainers. I think Todd Gurley is a good candidate for a bounce back. Even Hayden Hurst. If someone drops Hayden Hurst, pick him up, start him. Hayden Hurst is going to have better days. Are you interested in Russell Gage in this matchup or anyone on the Cowboys? I think everyone on the Cowboys is probably rostered at this point. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I'm trying to think of, you know, maybe in deeper leagues, I, I think, or in shallower leagues, I think you could probably find Tony Pollard. Maybe he's a guy you, you could pick up. But other than that, and he doesn't really have much standalone value. He got some snaps, which is interesting, but it's just not going to be enough to get you, you know, fantasy points really. Yeah, I'd say Russell Gage, he's really only viable like as a final flex option if you're pretty low on flex options, which I'm not sure how you got there in week one. But yeah, this is the scenario where you play Russell Gage is in crazy shootouts. Like when the, when the Falcons pass 50 times in a game, Russell Gage will get some of those. He could fall into the end zone. So yeah, if you need a flex option, I don't think Russell Gage is the worst. My only problem picking up picking him up is you maybe forego some long-term value. Whereas Russell Gage is really like, he's never going to ascend to a top two receiver role on his team. I'm still projecting Hayden Hurst to get more targets. And then he's fighting for like, you know, Todd Gurley's targets. So he's at best like a three, four receiver on his team. He doesn't have a ton of upside on like a season long basis. Whereas I think LaVisca, you know, he's already probably the number two. I think he could be like the one B. So that's why I'd take LaVisca over him. Cause I think you get more value over the rest of the season. If you just need one week, though, if you're like, I I just have injuries, I have Kenny Galladay, I have Mike Evans, you know, Cortland Sutton, whatever. Yeah, maybe that's actually a scenario where you just say, I just need one week from from a guy, and that guy could be Russell Gage.
0: I agree. I I think you're only playing Russell Gage in the deepest of scenarios if you have injuries on your team. But in that game environment, I think he's worth a look. I didn't check the total yet, but I imagine it's going to be high, probably approaching 50 points. There's also a couple projected blowout spots where you might want to take a look at some guys with some of the running backs that underwhelmed this week. Cam Akers fits the bill. There's a number of others. Maybe you have Le'Veon Bell on your team and he doesn't start. You could be looking at a guy like Jarek McKinnon to pick up, and he quietly finds himself in a very nice matchup against the New York Jets, who Buffalo Buffalo just absolutely blew out in that game. The problem with Jarek McKinnon is, he. you mentioned it earlier, he's mainly a pass-catching back. It's still a very good matchup. Maybe you could look at a guy like Tevin Coleman if he's on your waiver wire. I, I doubt it. But there's some fringe 49er players I would have some interest in. And certainly as a defensive, they are not rostered. Is there a team you're looking out in a blowout situation? The, the Titans, Jaguars, I know you're really high in the Jaguars, but that's another potential situation. Any other fringe starters we can maybe look to in some blowouts?
1: Yeah, I I think you touched on one, and I think it's it's Tevin Coleman. And as as far as I know, I would say he probably he got so few carries. I believe he got four carries and Mostert got 15 was was the split. I would say that is likely a product, not guaranteed, but likely a product of the fact that Tevin Coleman almost wasn't going to play. He has a heart condition and the air conditions because of the California wildfires made uh, it was like poor air quality. Basically, it was a risk to his health to play. He, he might not have even played. Like there was a, a chance that he didn't play. He ends up suiting up, but doesn't get a ton of work. I think we could come closer to, I don't want to say a 50, 50s play. We'd come closer to him being fantasy relevant. So maybe he's even a guy that you trade for. Yeah, I agree. He's probably not on the waiver wire, although I wouldn't be shocked to see someone cut him. So if he's on the waiver wire, maybe he's a guy you pick up. I think, I do think they're going, they're just going to absolutely crush this week, this coming week, after a bit of a disappointing spot against Arizona, undoubtedly disappointing Super Bowl champions losing to Arizona. But I would say he's a guy that if you need, you know, especially running back depth for teams that tend to go like zero RB or even just get one RB. We had Miles Sanders go down already. I don't, you know, I'm not starting like Leonard Fournette if you drafted him. So Le'Veon Bell could be the same way. He's a guy that I think is flex worthy. And maybe for you, if your team is weak at RB, he could be like your RB 2 I'm still hoping he's not my RB one, but I do expect him to have a big win this coming week, a big bounce back spot. So yeah, Tevin Coleman could luck into like 10 carries and the Shanahan system is just it's efficient. 10 carries could be 75 yards.
0: Definitely. It's we've seen them ride with the hot hand approach with running back before it. it we've seen crazier things with that San Francisco situation and we know their game plan. They're going to try to run early and as many times as they can, assuming they have positive game script, one other fringy play. So this isn't a blog situation. It's maybe more of a sneaky shootout play. We have Tampa Bay taking on Carolina. Someone brought this up in the chat Are we targeting Scotty Miller as a fringe receiver? You and I last week, I feel like we just beat up on this Carolina secondary to no end, the Dante Jackson's Corn Elders of the world. And we saw the Las Vegas Raiders take advantage of them for the most part. Henry Ruggs in particular had a very nice day. Mike Evans banged up, played. He kind of revitalized his day with that late touchdown. But otherwise, Scotty Miller is the guy that had six targets. He had five catches, 73 yards, and even mixed in a rushing attempt. Are you looking at him as a French starter against a porous Carolina secondary?
1: Yeah, I'm probably only looking at him if I think this game absolutely shoots out. And I will say, man, the Bucs did not like, like the Gronk-Brady duo looked scoffed, man. They did not look great. Brady punches one in, but the offense wasn't particularly special. Mike Evans salvages a bad day with a touchdown, like you said. So, for me, I'm not crazy high on the Tampa Bay offense, but I do think, like you said, this Carolina defense is terrible. And it proved to be that proved to be the correct answer. Although Josh Jacobs ends up punching in all the touchdowns, you know, it wasn't a passing game necessarily for Derek Carr, Henry Ruggs, these guys. The offense put up numbers, and that's what you want to see. I do think Tampa Bay will bounce back in the spot. I'm not necessarily buying them long-term but yeah scotty miller would be a guy i'd look to and like i said before i'm i'm interested in stacking even in my season long leagues because i just want to on the weeks where i do well i want to do really well i don't want to have a good week and then it turns out my opponent just had a better week if i have aaron Rodgers, i want to buy maybe even you know not primary but the could be the number two weapon in scotty miller as long as mike evans is nicked up so yeah scotty miller worth a pickup i'm not necessarily starting him he's probably more like a wide receiver four or five for me but against a terrible defense in carolina in a game that could have some points we saw, you know, the Teddy Bridgewater offense look good. So for me, yeah, he's a guy who's a fringe flex-worthy play.
0: Agreed. Now, we're on sneaky look-ahead spots. Let's take a look down the road. Who is a guy you can stash on your roster right now? Maybe he doesn't have a role. Maybe he maybe he even does have a little bit of a role. But maybe it's an injury. Maybe there's just a switch in play time. Who can you look to as a guy maybe in week five six even later in your playoffs that you can start confidently and one guy for me we haven't seen the Steelers play yet but I'd be looking at Benny Snell running back for the Steelers we've seen James Conner go down a lot I think if James Conner were to go down you would see Benny Snell handle a majority of the work there a couple other names we have guys like Tony Pollard more your your pure handcuff guys is there anyone you're looking at as a super deep stash someone you can just park on your bench in the event of an injury maybe they come in there that rb one for you wide receiver one for you
1: yeah i would say brandon Ayuk ends up being ruled inactive right now i don't like this receiver team is so banged up. I, mean, I wasn't impressed with Kendrick Bourne or anyone else on this depth chart. If Brandon Ayuk comes back and he's able to play in really any capacity, they are going to need him. He's a guy who was a playmaker in college. They were excited about him. Supposedly, I forget what pick they had. They had two first round picks, once they trade away the defensive lineman. They were willing to take him with their first pick if they thought they needed to. They, they projected the board out and said, we can get him with our second first round pick. Let's take him there. But they were super high on him. The, the 49ers' whole staff was coming out of college. So for me, Brandon Ayuk is a guy who could probably end up back, I would imagine he was picked up, probably ends up back on the waiver wire now at this point because he doesn't play week one He's projected to essentially split time with Debo Samuel when the two are both healthy. I think he could beat up Debo Samuel and have a role on this offense. And the defense, I think, is probably going to regress from last year. Almost every defense does. You just can't be the best defense in the league year over year over year. It's very hard. And we saw the move on from a defensive lineman trading him to the Colts. So for me, I think they'll probably have to pass more. I could be involved more. And he's... Uh, he's probably a guy who ends up hitting back on the waiver wires in most leagues at this point. So I would be trying to pick up him. I think he has some sneaky playmaking potential whenever he gets right.
0: Definitely love. Iuk's upside long-term, of course there's games tonight. So if you can your lineups aren't locked or anything and you can stash a Dion Lewis, a Benny Snell <laughs> on your bench, you might as well, just in case Saquon Barkley gets hurt, just in case James Conner gets hurt. Always good to have a leg up on your opponents there and of course, right now, a lot of free content at Osmo.com. We have free NFL showdown rankings tonight. We have a pair of games, so make sure you check those out. It is a great way to get in on the action. But that will do it for Kyle and myself today. Make sure to hit that like button before we head out of here. You can follow me at Matt underscore Gajewski on Twitter. Kyle on Twitter, he is at Kyle Tweets here. Thank you guys so much. We appreciate all the questions. Hopefully that helps you with your Waiver Wire content. Kyle and myself will be back plenty this week and we will see you next week for the next Waiver Wire show.